can feel free to to start throwing. I see B. You're sleepy. I got sleepy. You gonna be good to podcast? I don't know how long I'm gonna last. <laughs> so we should should we get going then? Maybe. Where's he been? Walking in a winter monster land. Run away! It's Godzilla. Well, it's Wednesday night, and Cameron and Rachel <laughs> and Allison are hanging out again, which must mean it's Starformer Zilla night. Welcome to Rebels and Robots and RAR, episode oh. 43. I'm Cameron. And I don't endorse that title. <laughs> and she's... Allison. <laughs> and this is our weekly chat about Star Wars and Transformers and... Everything else. Oh, it's everything? Does it literally anything? Yeah, anything. Well, this week, what are we talking about? Like four different things. What are our two main things? The Boy oh, and the Heron? Yeah, Monarch and Boy and the Heron. Yeah. So we're talking Godzilla franchise, and we're talking animation. So this will be the first time Woo-woo. we're throwing in animation into the the mix, officially. Animation that's not Star Wars related. Bad Batch. Or that's Star Wars. Related. We're not talking about that because it's animation. We're talking about it because it's Star Wars. We are now rebels and robots and etc. And so, we have we are talking about an animated film. Okay. That's the only reason we're talking about it is because we like animation. Yeah, like we didn't talk about this already. Well, it's weird to wait when you say we're throwing animation into the mix because it makes it sound like we've never spoke uh, yeah, about something animated. it does. But when we talked about a rebrand episode, we said we'd start throwing in shared interests. And animation yes. is one yes. of our okay. shared interests. But saying we're throwing in <laughs> yeah. animation, you could say we're throwing in... Well, we in... don't talk about Bad Batch because it's a cartoon. We talk about it because it's Star Wars. We talk about the animation and the art behind it. Yeah, I know, but it's... What I'm saying is we are today, we, we are, we don't today, always... today we are incorporating a new franchise that is animated. Yeah. Oh, it's not a franchise. We're not, we're not talking. It's not a franchise. Studio it's a Ghibli. singular film. Studio That's Ghibli. a studio, not a franchise. Which is animation though. That's what I said. <laughs> but we've talked about animation before. Like uh, our, the intro was a originally, new... this is our, we can chat about Star Wars and Transformers. A newly animated film and last not week, connected to Star Wars. And last week it was Star Wars and Transformers and Godzilla. And now it's Star Wars and Transformers and Godzilla and animation. That's the fourth thing we've now added. Now it's Star Wars and Transformers and Godzilla and Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's not the specific thing because... You could talk about more of those films if you want in the future. Then it is a whole. I haven't seen that many Studio Ghibli films. I don't. It's not really Studio Ghibli. That anyways, we we're going to talk about. about the boy and the <laughs> heron hey, tonight. I, I said a simple word, and you guys argued with me, so I argued back. And whatever else, what I have written down as our unofficial intro intro <laughs> is this: our weekly chat about Star Wars, and then fill that in, and then whatever else we want to talk about. Yeah, we are currently. In Winter Monsterland, uh-huh. which is uh, what included last last time, it included us talking about uh, Monarch as well as Godzilla minus one. Uh, we'll continue on. Uh, we will eventually talk about the rest of the monster. So is the monster going to be the heron? Oh, and the, oh, this fits in. Monsterland. He definitely Land. is a monster. Yeah, so definitely is a monster. It's just part of Monsterland. It doesn't good, need to be animation call. or Studio Ghibli or anything. Just monsters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we were, we'll be talking about the next couple Parakeets. episodes of Monarch, which will probably, yes, they are all very monsters in this cartoon. Uh, we will be talking about episodes of Monarch and then getting into the boy and the heron will be the meat of this week's episode. Uh, but it's also the last 
podcast episode for the year, so we will address that. But as always, we start off with uh, news and recent thoughts. Uh, I wanted to quickly address something from last week's episode. Rachel, you have not listened to last week's episode. Is that correct? Nope. Well, <laughs> I was too uh, busy traveling. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play. Where'd, where'd you go? I can't say that without doxing people. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the intro for you here. Oh, I've got at one point across the speed. country just to find someone that works where I work. Holidays. I'm trying. I'm just like throwing out words you could make jokes on. Um, Happy Monarch Days. <laughs> with their business cards. So, sorry, I didn't write an exact time code. Um, mm. Oh, Monarch Madness. That'd be good for March. Monarch Madness. Oh, yeah. I like that. March Monarch Madness. Yeah, it's good. What is, um, I, I didn't write down an exact time code. I thought it would be close to this. Yeah, Winter... Here it is. Winter Monsterland? Like Winter Wonderland? Walking in a winter monsterland Run away is that you? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so that's our uh, oh, our new theme song no. for the time. <laughs> I do not love that. <laughs> we're really we're really just gonna throw all of Caleb Jacoby's hard work. Well, okay. Here's the thing: I asked him to write us a new theme song, and he has said twice that he would do it, and he has not done it yet. <laughs> it's because he knew his magnum opus was his first one. Um, actually, never mind. I just lied. I asked him to write a theme song for. Not a theme, sorry. I asked him to write us a thinking music theme for Meme Minute whenever we are deciding, and he has not done that, so I have not had a chance. I have not asked him for a new theme, so this is going to be our temporary theme until I get him to make us a new one Um, while we're in (laughs) Winter Monster Land. I think Rachel's going to show up at his house. Fortunately, only one more episode of the year for Winter Monster Land. Uh, no, winter keeps going. Winter does not stop at we the can, new year. No, we, we can't have a Christmas theme past January. It is a Christmas song. It is a Christmas song. Yes, but it's specifically winter-based. This Our version is That's not right. a Christmas song. That's right. Anyways, uh, what, what news do you have for us, um, well, Godzilla Minus One is currently tied and ranking with Oppenheimer on IMDb at an 8.4 out of 10. So that's average user rating? Yes. What else? We, what ratings do they have on IMDb? Well, you said ranking. but then Ra- that, Rating, my bad. Yeah. Um, but also, if you go on IMDb, you can all, there's also the Metacritic score as well. No, I believe you. I was just checking. I don't, whatever this is. Yeah, that's the average user score. Okay. I'm clarifying because different websites have different m- metrics. Like if you said Rotten Tomatoes, the, the, the main score in Rotten Tomatoes is a... Tomatoes. Is, <laughs> yes, the average tomatoes present in the film. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is the average critic I score. I was going by IMDb because every time I bring up Rotten Tomatoes, you go, ah, let's check IMDb. Oh. Do I say that? You don't, don't say remember, that, don't but you go, it. but you always check IMDb. Do I? I would pretty much, yes. I bet Rachel's probably That's right. the one you pull up all the time. For what, exactly? Whenever we check something about a movie, film, cast, ratings. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the, the IMDb is the place to get information. Exactly. That's why I just said IMDb. <laughs> I was just giving an example of how if you say a score for a movie from a website, I clarified user review because the main score from Rotten Tomatoes is not a user review. It's a yes. critic score. So I was just clarifying the IMDb score. Okay. 
for both the users and myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So is, is like Oppenheimer like one of the the highest reviews of the year? Pretty much, and yeah. And so it's tied for first or something? De- well, yeah. Anticipated, most likely. Amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Good score. I mean, I, I think it's way better than, like, oh, better. I enjoyed it more than Oppenheimer, personally. We don't have to see naked Cillian Murphy in Godzilla <laughs> Minus One, so. Mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You might be dissuading Allison from seeing Godzilla Minus One, saying there's no naked people. <clears throat> <laughs> Anyways, um, so we watched this before we officially started the episode, but uh, Peter Cullen received his Emmy's Lifetime Achievement Award for his work in the industry most popular for optimus prime um and it was actually given to him by frank welker oh was it really i didn't yeah, catch it, that that's yes great. it was given to him by frank welker which who is, is just, the voice of megatron just, correct yeah just Aww, especially it's really special especially hmm. special um and then uh we saw i saw this this weekend and i was very sad um godzilla suit actor uh <laughs> ken pachiro uh satsuma it sound i almost had to make sure i didn't say like uh ben shapiro mm. um uh passed away uh oh. and so he was 76 and so he was best known for portraying various monsters during uh godzilla's heisei era including godzilla and others um so did they use perspective tricks to make them look bigger no they used people in costumes so they were pretty small well like people in costumes but then they used miniatures as well oh interesting that makes with sense. some cell overlaying but so it seemed like they were really big yes yeah the monsters destroyed model sets and then they would superimpose people into the the sets so yes uh i think perspective tricks only really work within a certain degree like like the, you can make someone seem a little bit shorter but you yeah. can't make someone seem as big as a, as yeah. like a Other, skyscraper otherwise you get into really problematic like perspective problems mm-hmm. um, problematic like the the most successful use of what you're talking about is lord of the rings where they made actors playing hobbits look way smaller than actors playing normal sized people we have the same news next. yeah that's that's why i br- I, <laughs> I brought up specifically just to show you that we had the same next. exact thing uh with something as big as a monster you could do that but then you can just instantly tell that it's a perspective trick um which obviously you can also instantly tell if something's a miniature and people superimposed on it but at least it was a little more within like the the world of a kaiju movie but uh good question though um so the next bit of news we both have yeah <laughs> the uh allison have you have we haven't shown you visions yet have we not yet i'd like to. um one of the star wars vision shorts from volume two won um uh, an emmy as well for prime sorry uh outstanding for... individual achievement there in animation go. yeah and that was screechers reach the one where the uh, lovable... Uh, oh, production design. That's the actual award. Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. Yes. Production That was like the category, then a more specific yes. award with production win. design. So yeah, that was the 2D animated one um, about the, the... Irish children. <laughs> yes, the... Uh, what are they called? Uh, like the street urchins uh, who went to the... The mountain and discovered the the witch, which was actually a Sith Lord. Uh, really excellent. Um, one definitely ranked. I don't remember our exact rankings, but it was definitely higher it was ranked. Up there, yeah. Um, 
And yeah, so great. Good for them. Um, That's really special. I It's kind of hard. I wonder... I'd be interested to hear... To, like why that specific one of all the stars because they're all really well animated um so I'd, that's i'd be curious if like disney pushed that one because like typically awards are won through campaigning hmm. so i wonder if disney pushed that one specifically but um yeah and also um i don't have it down here but i saw earlier today um star wars the the kids animated one the jedi oh, uh, Jedi, uh young you know, jedi adventures yeah won a, a children's nice a, a emmy um, so I don't know the exact award there, but there's another one on, on that same topic. What other news you got? I have some cool Black Series figures. <laughs> I'm not going to open them. Oh, interesting. So this is Leia, but she's from a specific from comic, comic book. Wow. So gorgeous art. Super fun. Yeah, very Big much fan. inspired, I would think, by like some of the classic uh, science fiction that inspired Star Wars itself. I like how many clothes she's wearing. This one's actually from Star Wars, so. What I'm saying is the design. Like, <laughs> the know. way that comic art is designed. I know. I was making a funny joke. Um, so, you know how we uh, traveled and managed to find a store just for funsies? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh... <laughs> well, I think we talked about this on the pod when we did it. We went mm-hmm. to a store called Ollie's. Well, I'm dumb. <laughs> oh, you already had it! Oh no! <laughs> From the same store. Oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I I was gonna be surprised that you didn't already have Zuri. Oh my but, god! But uh, I wasn't gonna tell you what you have. I was not. Gonna... I really wish you had. <laughs> <laughs> so we are all the three of us traveling together for a wedding. For I meant to bring up. Uh, Previous guest on oh, the show. Oh, I forgot he's been here. Wow. We can't have Caleb uh, got married. Marriage. Um, though he was our previous guest, been on the twice on the show. Now, Allison has been twice on the show, so they're tied <laughs> for a number of appearances. Uh, but he is now married, so congratulations to him. We all three had a wonderful time at his wedding. Of course, no Star Wars music was played. Oh, but that's my un- goodness. That's, that's uh, they No, but they did play an, uh, another good singer, so. Kaleo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was your entrance song get cultured <laughs> um so my point being while we were traveling for the wedding we've discovered that it was an ollie's very close to our airbnb so we went there um because we had previously gone to one near where we live in undisclosed location actually not super near well we you know within driving distance couple hours though and yeah uh, we went there and Rachel found a black series figure she wanted, but as it turns out, she already had it. And did you did you say who it was already? Uh, I can't remember her last name, but Zuri Zuri Bliss from Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, so I now wish you said something. <laughs> I just how terrible is that? <laughs> I distrusted you. I guess I have, a, I have a good recollection. Oh, and I got a Vel from Andor. Yeah, so we I, went to Walmart after yes. that for some other stuff. I already put her on the shelf. Very nice. <laughs> Um, good stuff. Um, talking about awards, some Golden Globe nominations related to some of the stuff we talk about. Um, Coleman Domingo got nominated for an Emmy. I didn't write down what he got nominated for, but he also, this in the same year as this, this Emmy nomination from 2023, he played the voice of Unicron in mm-hmm. Rise of the Beast. So it's funny that you go from this totally just kind of whatever voice performance that no one really cares about in the end, unfortunately, to also getting a, a Golden Globe nomination for a film role. Um, Natalie Portman, famous for playing Padme, got a nomination this year. 
And for what? Uh, what is she? I been didn't in? write it down. Yeah, what's um, she been doing? I think it was a Netflix movie. Hmm. Unfortunately, no, no, nothing Star Wars or Transformers related, or and Godzilla minus one. Also, no Golden Globe nominations. Oh. Um, a, a Netflix film called May December is what she got nominated for. And then Pedro Pascal also got a nomination for... But he's not really in Star Wars anymore, is he? He's technically the Mandalorian. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, shout out to those Star Wars and Transformers actors who got nominations for Gold Globes. Um, what other news you got, Rachel? Uh, this isn't necessarily news, but this is something I wanted to talk about a couple weeks ago and I forgot. Okay. So, I was very excited to see what my... Uh, Apple Rewind for 2023 would have been, <laughs> only to find out I never had it turned on. Oh, no. So we never get to know what the past three years that I've listened to, um, because the last time it was on apparently was 2020. That's so if anyone sad. is curious, out of um, the like 44 songs it puts in your Rewind... Out of the 44, I had 12 tracks from Godzilla Rise of uh, King of the Monsters on my <laughs> Rewind 2020. Impressive. So I just wanted to, I thought that would be funny to talk about. Uh, Andor soundtrack was one of my top albums on Spotify. I would have liked to have known. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's still not enough to make me switch to Spotify. So Related to this... Um, the official Transformers Facebook page posted uh, an image which is made to look like a Spotify wrapped. And it says, top artist, number one, Stan Bush, which is the guy who did uh, The Touch. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, Daft Punk, two robot men. Uh, number three, Cybertronic Spree, which is the Transformers-themed band that we talked about a while back. Who all dress up in paper mache Transformers? They haunt my dreams. <laughs> but the, you know how cool would it be to be that band and get like official recognition? That would be pretty cool. Uh, number four, the it cars. It probably comes with a fat cease and desist for copyright. <laughs> hey, the, they must have some sort of uh, either well, legal hey, protection or they have rights. Hey, we'll drop our suit against you if we can like give you a shout out on our TikTok. <laughs> uh, number four, the cars. It's a band called the Cars, Transformers, and number five, the Jets. Uh, just another band. Uh, top songs, The Touch, uh, Intergalactic, Changes. Ch -ch -ch changes. Because they're Transformers and they change. Number four, Mr. Roboto. Wow, that was... Mm. <laughs> Cycles Listened, 1984, 1984, the year that... So, oh, that was cute. That was a cute little post that they did. I told you about the post where they posted the wrong character. I tell you about that? No. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Hasbro posted a thing on Facebook and it was like, what's your favorite iteration of RC? And they posted three pictures of RC and one picture of Alita 1 and it had me heated because they didn't, they got their characters mixed up. They got their girls mixed up. Oh, oh yes, you and did tell I me about this. I so yeah. upset. Um, Hasbro intern, when I catch you. Not not news, because I doubt that Allison has any news, but to rope Allison into this, uh, update from Allison, she started watching Clone Wars, yeah. and she actually had a question for Rachel. Mm -hmm. When does well, it get good? <laughs> <laughs> that was not my question. What's your question? 
Awesome. Uh, what was my question? Something about why the clones oh, treated yeah. someone. The clones were racist toward the Twi'leks. In the episode that I'm on, it's toward the end of season one. And the clones are calling them tailheads and saying derogatory <laughs> things about them and like to their face even. Why? Do you know why? Um, I don't know specifically why the clones, but the Twi'leks are the most trafficked people in Star Wars, basically. Oh, yeah. So, like slaves? Yeah. I I remember that from some of the movies. Uh-huh. Like dancing. So clones. I'm assuming it is... There might just be some bias. I don't They're know. Like but a that, I feel low like that... species. You think the clones being kind of childlike pick that up from everyone else? Like Maybe they being associate them prejudiced? with slaves? Is this a connection to Ken from Barbie? <laughs> where wow. people seeking control fall into oppression? Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's been a while since I have seen Clone Wars. And I'll be honest, I didn't start paying attention until season three. <laughs> um, I just had all this background noise and kind of tuned yeah. in. But... Um, I really That's... like it so far, but it was definitely surprising to me. And in this episode, they've made friends with a little girl. And okay, I know, I know what episode you're on. Changing their perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least one of them is warming up to her. Yeah. It was just surprising to see them. She's in Rebels. Oh, that's... I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Who is she in Rebels? She's just like a side character. Hmm. I, but I don't know. We that. see, uh, or or it's at least. Um, oh, is she like a, like grown up? Yeah, when she's they go grown up, and she Twilight has Planet? some seemingly similar clone armor. Um, oh yeah, I know who that is. And okay. so I, it, I wondered why she had that. That's interesting. Yeah. So or at least it's presumed wow. that it's the same character because okay, she's in the cool. rebellion. Nice. That's fun. Um, you have any broad thoughts so far on Clone Wars? You're enjoying it. Yeah, I I like seeing this version of Anakin a lot, and. I think the three or four episode arcs are fun because I like the storyline carrying on and I think it's exciting, it's interesting, it's heartbreaking to think about war because I think war is really sad. And the Bush administration. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the, sorry. I have the two women whose names I get mixed up the most. My brain was ping ponging between the two. Rachel always on point with the uh, political uh, analysis of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts, Al- Allison? Not at the current moment. Okay, great. Just wait till you get to a certain four episode arc in season five that everyone <laughs> from there. hates. I can't wait. I'm so excited. You didn't break it. It's just kind of loose. Rachel, for a second, thought she broke one of the microphones. You just gotta, like, it's not really supposed to be like that, so you just gotta go push work? it in. I, I feel like I'm gonna and... bend the wire. It's okay. I had it like that. So you just stick it in. There you go. You got it. Perfect. Good job. Um, any other news, Rachel? No. Okay, great. So I'm gonna try to just really skim a plot summary of the two episodes of Monarch we watched. Not much happened. <laughs> Boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, broadly... Uh, characters just keep escaping and getting recaptured or re, or re, um, like pursued by Monarch. Um, our three modern heroes are just released, um, assuming that Monarch will, assumes that those characters will then lead Monarch to, uh, Hiroshi, um, the two main characters, older father who was presumed to be dead. Um, Kentaro. Correct. Um, but they keep Shaw, but then... Duval, who is the French 
uh, sort of mercenary-esque character who works for a monarch uh, ends up freeing Shaw because Duvall actually believes in trying to fight slash control the monster problem. Um, uh, Kentaro and... Sorry, go ahead. Do you think there's ever a chance that we're actually going to see Charles Dance's, char- Charles Dance's character? So he was King of the Monsters? a human villain from King of the Monsters. I would love that. Um, the fact that he d- did not return for Kong versus Godzilla kind of shows that either he's not interested or they're not interested in working with him. But I would love for them to actually bring back characters we know. Mm-hmm. It, it Almost any of them, I would be fine with well, that. Well, specifically Charles Dance. Yeah, he'd be great. He's so good in that. He's a lot of fun. But uh, Kentaro and Kate and May just continue to do their bickering back and forth. It doesn't really go anywhere. The most notable development there, I think, is that... Uh, well, there's two. One, um, those three characters return back home to San Francisco, and we meet uh, Kate's mom. And <laughs> Kate just abruptly introduces... So, at this point, mm-hmm. Kate's mom does not know that her husband... She suspected, mm-hmm. which we learn later, but did not know for a fact that mm-hmm. her... No, okay. She suspected that her husband was cheating on her. He did not know that he had another family in Japan. Yeah. And Kate just... M- Introduce Kentaro by his last name, totally revealing who he is in one sentence. Totally unfair to Kate's mom. Um, the other thing that we learned through flashback, we see we see some flashbacks leading up to uh, the day that Godzilla, uh, which they keep calling G-Day. We learned that uh, Kate is in a relationship with another woman, and she was actually cheating on her with another woman. Yep. So she's just like her dad. Mm-hmm. I have two notes from episode five. Okay, go for it. All these characters suck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Emphasis on Kate. Mm-hmm. And then, I love seeing all these monsters and their legacies as we watch through <laughs> family drama for the fifth episode in a row. <laughs> but my comment is, the real monster in this show is all the infidelity. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... It'd be a very different show without it. <sighs> Mm. I feel I feel like they're trying to make the characters relatable. No, this is not the way to do that. And exactly, that's what they're, they're trying not, to do. They're not. It's not working. Theoretically, in a more emotionally intelligent piece of media, that would be an interesting subject matter. I don't think a monster TV show is it the sure, place to explore. It sure this. seems to be taking over the rest of the show. You know, do you know what just popped in my mind? Um, whenever. There's going to be a weird connection, but hang with me. Joker 2019, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix one. What the director of that... Do you think season two is going to be a musical? That, that would amp up some energy into this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the guy who made it said that he was able to, to convince Joaquin Phoenix to be in it because he said they were not making a superhero movie. They're going to make a serious adult drama disguised as a superhero movie hmm. i think that mentality could have very easily been adopted by a lot of other people and whoever wrote this probably potentially i don't know for sure may have had the idea that they wanted to write a story about children meeting and they they had their the fa- their father and all that and they decided i can get this made if i just throw some monsters in every once in a while that's how you get the money yeah I don't know that for a matter of fact, but it kind of feels like that way with the uh, ratio of family drama to monster stuff. I mean, like I said, it really feels to me, this show has a lot of the same similar energy or lack thereof of that <laughs> third episode of Loki season one, <laughs> where they're like on the 
planet that's about to it, yeah like, i don't know it's just the same the, the, yeah I, I don't disagree with that what that is is the uh the uh problem the the disease of streaming shows having too many episodes mm-hmm. that's exactly what those episodes that are just totally worthless which is most of the shows in this, this show unfortunately i think if this was slimmed down it could be a lot better um other notable elements from this episode um you got two seconds of godzilla that's next episode oh yeah this one no, is we very got, brief. we got a little one um we actually get a character addressing that uh colonel shaw is much younger than he should be he should uh-huh. be in his 90s and he clearly yeah. doesn't look that way yeah uh the only line that we get is that someone says that he had a classified mission gone wrong tim mm-hmm. says that and then rachel replied to that uh, well, whatever made Shaw not age is probably what aged Bill <laughs> Randa 30 or 40 years in the course of 20 years in the yeah. past. Good joke. Um, and then uh, Shaw also makes a uh, let them fight joke, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a fun little reference. Great quote from uh, the first movie in this series, which we will be talking about sometime next month or in February. Um, another funny Rachel quote. Um well, okay, so they're, they're sneaking, our main characters are sneaking around San Francisco trying to get to their dad's office, and some there's some uh, military officers around, and they see some cats, and they just say, gosh, more gosh darn cats, and one of them says, we should just start shooting them, and how did you respond to that, Rachel, do you remember? I was unhappy. <laughs> yeah, she was just unhappy at the, the proposition of shooting cats. Well, yeah. I did, I did make the, I made the joke before they said it, mm-hmm. that, because they showed the cats, like, yeah. just pellet this cat full, <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, you did, and massive, then they said massive it. bullets, and they made the joke, and I was like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> joke. Um, so eventually, our our hero of the three younger characters end up finding. Um, oh no! I said I would never leave Athena in the wake of a kaiju. Attack. Oh yes! <laughs> I would go back. I would. You can't go back and get your cat. Screw you! Uh-huh. I'm doing it. We're getting there. We're getting there to carry her. We're going in the car, and we are driving not to the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. Why? Now that I think about it, this is what is great about living in uh, not downtown big cities. Yeah. Why would you mm-hmm. cross the Golden Gate Bridge? I don't have know a lot about the geography of the area, but well, San Francisco if, is not land; is not an island. Well, if I remember correctly, they were. Wait, Allison hasn't seen the movie. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can maybe talk about that another time. Probably won't. But anyways, um, well, if we watch it again, another funny Rachel quote. Uh, so the the heroes. I, if find... you can't tell, I just talked the whole two episodes. <laughs> Uh, they find another map of, from Hiroshi on his, in his office and Rachel goes, maybe it's a map of all his other children. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good joke. I and, mean, I don't know. And the episode ends with, uh, May reporting back to Duvall back at Monarch. Um, the next episode, I feel like even less happened somehow. It has more past Shaw mm-hmm. and Kiko and Bill stuff. We now see that Shaw and Kiko are initially the ones in love. Yeah. My, my theory is that Hiroshi is Lee, is Shaw and Kiko's son. It's, that would be... At this point, I would rather them either go full-blown uh, like soap opera uh-huh. and just like everyone's related yeah. to everyone or just like focus on the monster stuff. But like if you just like go all out crazy with this stuff, that would be hilarious. So yeah, Shaw might end up being the grandfather of Grand our two Daddy. main characters. 
Um, <laughs> but we were initially very uh, disgusted by this because we assumed that Kiko and Bill were in a relationship. Runs already, in the family. But yeah. that is not the case. So what's going to happen then. is it's kind of going to become a love triangle. And we were already starting to see the groundwork for, for Bill potentially being a better suit for Kiko. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find that stuff more emotionally interesting is the idea of the people who created Monarch trying to balance a normal life with this crazy job they've chosen. Um, another great Rachel joke. <laughs> uh, Shaw and Kiko are talking about children. And and uh, someone says, do you know my favorite part about kids? And Rachel just goes, kaiju snacks. <laughs> uh, Which was followed by immediately worse joke ever. Of uh-huh. actual dialogue. Yeah, yes. Shaw says making the kids. <laughs> Horrible. Mm. Uh, Watching Duval- them <laughs> fall off the Golden State Bridge in a half eaten bus. Uh-huh. Uh, Duval ends Kidding. up freeing old Shaw. And meanwhile, in the past, uh, Bill and Kiko go searching after a gamma spike somewhere in the world. Gamma ray sim- simulator. Yeah, they end up meeting Dr. Oh. Suzuki, who is a very fun character. Um, I'm gonna look up his actor. Actually, real fast. the best character we've enjoyed so far. Yes, I would say so far he's the character with the most energy and like charisma on screen. He's a fairly stereotypical like Japanese smart guy, but he's he's having fun. And yeah, I he like seems him. passionate and a little crazy. <laughs> I like that. He is he is a lot of fun. I'm trying to find him here on IMDb. IMDb. Um, oh. You guys can talk about, uh, while I'm looking this up, uh, <laughs> uh, Kate's mom and her boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Kate's mom is shacking up with her coworker, who's like 15 years, her junior, something like I think that. More, I think way more than if that, If not personally. more, yeah. And how long ago did her husband probably die? Like, <laughs> like a year. And but is not, not confirmed dead? But apparently, <laughs> but she mentioned, she mentioned she liked having a part-time husband. Uh-huh. My other prediction is she has a family on the side. Oh, <laughs> oh Just keep making it worse. Just keep piling on at this yeah, point. Yeah, just keep making it worse. Make these May characters... has a secret family, too. Like, Because she has all those different identities. Hey, oh, you know she what? might, yeah. You know what? At least they didn't do a weird thing where like Kate and Kentaro meet and fall in love, and oh, then they yeah. find out that they're would be siblings. Awful. Ooh, that'd be uh-huh. awful. Family tree. Why would you put the that family in my tree head? becomes a wreath? Okay, so the actor played Suzuki has <laughs> not been much. I don't recognize. For him a either. second, I got really scared, and I thought he was um, whatever the comedian from Transformers Four. Oh yeah, uh, Transformers Four. Wait. Was, oh no, no, not, not Suzuki. The other, the the yeah, the the the, boyfriend, the yeah. boyfriend. Uh, yeah, it was that guy for a second. Uh, I was like, oh no, <laughs> it's so much worse than we could have anticipated. Um, so in the episode we're actually talking about, are uh, all of our heroes finally get back together? Not much has occurred as a result of them being split up, but they all go after they mm-hmm. they use the map they found in uh, Hiroshi's ma- uh, office. They go to the location in Africa, and they find Hiroshi, and he has the same device that Suzuki had built that he was using to, quote-unquote, communicate with some kaiju. And cutting back and forth simultaneously, we see our heroes in the past and our heroes in the future interact with... Who else? The G-Man. The G-Man himself, Gojira. uh, And one of the important aspects, this is in uh, episode five... 
I believe is that um, Bill and Kiko were there alone and Shaw was supposed to stay and do a big mm-hmm. meeting with funding and he ended up going there, mm, um, yeah. skipping out on the meeting and that's where they have that talk of sacrificing <laughs> our desires for Godzilla. Um, but that's also where they, when, cause when they see Godzilla, they realize they didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. bigger. Assume bigger than the yeah. last time they saw him. Brosman uh, getting the gains. Rachel, uh, gosh dang, I'm sorry. Allison, mm-hmm. seeing Godzilla finally in the mm-hmm. big, like, does it stir anything in you? Do you have a reaction to this? I feel influenced by Rachel's love. Of yeah. Him. They say your pupils get 50% bigger when you see someone you love. So I see him and I feel like I want to cuddle him. And like he's so sweet. And I I just think he's adorable. This version of Godzilla, I'll try to bring up a... a... He's rather like, he tolerates people. Mm-hmm. He's more of like a benevolent protector. He's cute. Like, yeah, he's like, he's like a big old... Well, what I was going to say, you're, you're accurate. What I was going to say is this version compared to other versions is a little bit rounder. Oh, um, a little <laughs> less spiky. Uh, well, more just his physical body. He's just got a lot more meat on his bones. Hmm. Um, Oops. And so he is a bit rounder, which makes him a little... He's thick. He's, he's definitely <laughs> thick. more of a heroic looking Godzilla. Two C's. Um, none of these images really... Wait, can I see that image? They're all kind of drawn the same here. I find so it, it funny how they just don't include 1998 Godzilla. Uh-huh. Zilla. <laughs> that one doesn't exist. Can I see that one? That's the one that almost lost us the... <laughs> that's the one right. that almost lost... Yeah. <laughs> well, it did, kind of. It almost got America banned from, from making, making Godzilla, Godzilla movies. Forever. Seriously? Yeah. It was really bad. That's why they just call it Zilla. They don't really call it Godzilla. I want to It was know. really more like a Jurassic World or a Jurassic Park Lost World movie. Absolutely. I'm curious like, about what happened. It just wasn't really a Godzilla film. It, hmm. it they just really he's That's much a lot smaller than most Godzillas, the ninety eight mm. one, and it she actually it's it's oh oh yeah I forgot about that yeah it they it was coming after the popularity of Jurassic Park, so they tried to make Godzilla much more like a T Rex than Godzilla, huh. and so and it really is the idea. So at the end of Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. the lost world, um, at least in the movie, there's a whole lot, like, oh, I haven't read the book portion of it yet, um, but if I remember, there is a whole longer section of the T-Rex lost in San Francisco that got okay. cut, and so it's like they took a lot of that inspiration, because mm, sure. um, the lost world did so well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if you were to think about the movie, what, like, what, like, what I said last week, last time we recorded, was... Like, the fundamental building block of a kaiju movie is monsters knocking over buildings. This Godzilla is too small to even do that. Okay. So it's much more of a chasing a dinosaur through a city movie. That's a lot of fish. It's got, yeah, infamous line. It's also just really poorly written, really bad characters. It's not even like, it's just cheesy. Hmm. Not Matthew And not a Broderick's fun way. Uh, presume, would, I would guess would probably be one of the very first CGI Godzillas. So oh, he has like got no weight. Okay. And no, it just like yeah. doesn't have anything you would like about a Godzilla movie. I it. see. Um, Thinking about yeah. a monster knocking over buildings, I really wish I could be in a Godzilla costume destroying <laughs> a miniature city. That would be really fun. I would imagine it's very fun. I would feel so much power. I could do it. I could do it. I could destroy it so well. Stomp, stomps. So our heroes in the modern day, they finally find Hiroshi. The 
the mu- music swelling makes it seem like it's this big dramatic reveal, which makes me realize the music in this show is really, really good. The dramatic reveal, on the other hand, not so much. Like, we know, I don't think any one of us for a second thought he was actually dead. Um, <laughs> at least the moment they started introducing no. the idea that he might not be. Yeah, no. And, um,. It's fine. I mean, I, I think the music is great, but the act, then we get the great reveal, which is that they actually were on. Like Godzilla's been right under the ground, which He's Rachel been sleeping. Rachel said, "Why is he taking a dirt nap?" But for real, <laughs> why is he in? Um, gosh, where were they? Algerian desert or something? Something like, like that? that. Yeah. And yeah. he was just napping under the rocks. But it one looks incredible. Like, the CGI on Godzilla is beautiful. He's got a lot of personality to him. Um, and He's got a very square face, like someone I know. You know, and I, I realize, like, while the show's not great, for the most part, we, it is kind of cool to have a moment of just Godzilla. He's not fighting anything. He's not destroying anything. He's just there. He's mildly Existing. inconvenienced. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He has been woken up from his nap and has to move now, uh, which is very, uh, it's cool just to have a moment. This like Godzilla's just there is, yeah, is interesting. Like he opens his eyes and he makes eye contact with Kate. He just kind of looks at her yeah. and then he... Give me the beat boys and free myself <laughs> off into the horizon. The the moment what kind of ruins it though to an extent is it kind it's of all the human characters. Well, yes, in the sense of they are not at all affected physically. Like yeah. he's moving around, he's displacing Earth. He's he's a plateau essentially, mm-hmm. and he throws them down a short mountainside. Yeah, like rocks are raining all over them, but none of them are hitting our humans. Yeah. He he turned his his tail goes right over them, which is really cool. But the amount of air oh, displacement—that's the air displacement you were talking about. Yeah, that that would have blown all of them over, and it doesn't affect them at all. Like their clothes aren't even moving. Also, his roar—I feel like at that close range, <laughs> yes. would have bu- burst your eardrums. I yeah, feel like absolutely. in previous films, absolutely. when he when they roar, people yeah cover their ears yes the humans are unaffected by godzilla too cool to react to godzilla (laughs) it it really unfortunate it really takes you out of it however it does seem that we might have lost tim they were in a monarch helicopter found them yet again the episodes are a little predictable tim going nine nine um and they're in the helicopter because they're trying to collect the rondas randas Mm. (laughs) the randas um and may and bill anyways and Godzilla wakes up and lumbers off, but he, Tim is like shouting to the helicopter pilot like to move, and Godzilla turns uh-huh. and the helicap the helicopter blades dink off, but like <laughs> like it, it's no impact to Godzilla, but it destroys the blades and they go down. And Shaw makes a mention later that no one survived the crash. I think. If they really wanted to kill those characters, the helicopter would have exploded. Yeah, I I have a hard Tim's time. Tim's gonna show up at the end of the episode and be like, "I found you guys again." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. The end of the season. In two episodes, yeah. I I have a hard time believing that he's dead. Uh, I want him to be dead. He's very annoying, and would be great <laughs> if he died because we have way too many characters as it is. But uh, the fact that they just kind of barely glanced off of Godzilla and then went off screen, and we were told that they're dead. Yeah. I've, I, I find it unlikely. I would have. I, I think Shaw would have double tapped him if he found him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Shaw, he's got some great final lines. Has he lost his mind a little bit? Shaw? Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. he's a kooky old man for sure. But... Think. Eh. A... He, he seems like he's he knows what's going on-ish. Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, he definitely subscribes to the idea that 
there are probably more titans mm-hmm. and it's better to learn how to coexist with them than try mm-hmm. to destroy them well i mean let's, let's talk about his next few lines which was uh i don't remember what someone says to him but he said i'm not trying to stop so they're like you're gonna try oh. to stop godzilla he's like i'm not trying to stop him i'm trying to help trying him, to help him. <laughs> when in phenomenal kurt russell a man of my dreams <laughs> <laughs> he's got some other amazing lines after that i wish i could would have written it down uh just like very Be- best performance in the whole show for oh, so far absolutely uh he's like um either you help me or you get out of the way it's like lines like that like very fun lines to like as a little cliffhanger for yeah. this episode. So, so he and the French guard. Yeah, Duval. Take, yeah, managed. I don't know. Somehow one of those four, four wheelers survived after falling down the mountain, <laughs> but whatever. They drive off and the three kids decide to walk 10 clicks to the nearest civilization. Um, Kate is actually being nice for once. That huh. was weird. Um, and was thanking May. She's like, you've always saved us before. And that's when May reveals that she sold them out to Monarch. Um, which yep. kind of a rough place to uh, admit that in the middle of the mm-hmm. desert. You could have at least waited until the nearest Seven Eleven, um, and so <laughs> they're you know understandably upset because they still want to go find their dad. Um, but then we get a flashback back to um, the fifties, and we see the consequences of Shaw bailing out yep. of the mission, which he did not have permission for you know he kiko and bill they're like we need to tell them what we saw that we did not kill godzilla after they set off a nuke five feet from his face (laughs) and they walk into their headquarters and it is crawling with other marine army and so shaw skipping out on this meeting on his unauthorized trip Mm -hmm. his position has been removed as head of monarch and someone else is in charge now we don't really know who it is but kiko is extremely unhappy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah because now they're going to be bossed around by the government who just wants to kill the titans correct yeah so that's uh that's the end of it um so far any any final thoughts allison i think it's interesting that may has multiple identities and a lot of money somehow yeah she's like i have a lot of money i've never touched it because i've been afraid but you can use it so yeah i was confused about that because if Using it would put you in danger. Why would she let them use it if she... I mean, she said, I don't care anymore, so who knows. But, like, wouldn't it put them in danger? I don't know. I don't... I don't know. She doesn't really seem to me like someone who cares. I'm curious <laughs> about how many secret kids she's fathered. She probably hasn't fathered any. Oh. Um, my thought is that episode six needed to be episode three. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this show is 10 episodes total. The show is to- uh, 10 gosh. episodes total. Uh, could have been easily five. Easily. So far. Or 10 episodes that were better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... We're getting Bad Batch season two'd again. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about what's actually good. Um, Something that we love. Before we move on to that, should we talk about the trailer we watched? Yes. Um, I don't have anything to say about it, but if you do... Aww. I just, there was just nothing super notable. I have a couple thoughts about it. Okay, let's go for it. Kung Fu Panda 4 trailer. Yeah. What do you up. think? I'm not going to pass judgment on the film itself until I see it. Oh, yeah. But this trailer, you can judge this trailer for what it's designed to do. is show an interesting movie and make you want to see it. It feels like the film is less stylized than the previous three. Mm, I was I... getting Zootopia vibes. Ooh. See, yes. it's a lot more generic. Yeah. It is not... 
when you look, when you watch the original three, there is a very, very um, unique art style. There's almost an angularness to everything. Yeah, it and feels... it feels less stylized than the previous three. It does feel more generic, like Zootopia. it's in a certain culture, and it's Asian with the architecture and the music and everything. And this felt like and the original three took animals. a lot of inspiration from actual Chinese mm-hmm. art design, and it feels fuzzier here. There are some pretty things, but they seem like the things that already were, like the pink leaves the pink flower petals and things they're pretty but we've already seen that i also feel like there's a lot more vibrant contrast um like just in all the colors in general when you look i think at a lot of the backgrounds mm-hmm. of the previous movies they are not mo- monotonous but they are of a similar palette with very important key aspects in contrast they look like a painting mm-hmm and this is interesting. So I'll pass my judgment when I see it. Do you think maybe it's not as well funded? I don't think it's a... I don't know if it's a matter of funding. It's mm. just... It's new directors. I'm yes. looking at it right now. Is They okay. um, are not... They have the same writers as the previous three. And, okay. Uh, that uh, is, that's good. It's encouraging. But the, uh, this, is, this movie is directed by two people. One person uh, has never directed a film before. Oh. The other person uh, previously directed um, in order... Um, Sky High, Shrek Four, oh. Alvin the Chipmunks, Three I think Chipwrecked is that three? Oh, um, SpongeBob, SpongeBob Out of Water, live action sequences, Trolls, Lego Movie Two. Oh, so not not like the worst one. Those are all mostly like big budget they're animation kind of films. Near good movies, but not quite. Good yeah, movies. yeah, they're all sitting. Uh, no, okay, Sky High is incredible. I love Sky High, but that. Is not Ooh. good because of the direction necessarily. I'm outnumbered on this one. I don't really care for it. Oh, interesting. Kurt Russell's in Sky High, right? He is. He's, He's so good in it, too. Uh, <laughs> but, like, that... It doesn't say much when the f- best movie's the first one. And mm-hmm. also, it's not an animated film. And it it drops dramatically from is there. Is the Lego movie too good? It's definitely the best of the oh, animated movies that this yeah. person has directed. His name is Mike Mitchell. It wasn't terrible. I, I mean, I like it. But, like, if you compare it to... Like a movie one is not even close. I think I like Sky High because I grew up with it, not because it's objectively amazing. I don't have any. I, think I don't have I any more argument for it. spots in my paintings <laughs> to fill, so maybe if it's not good, I don't have to worry about it. I think the best thing you can say about these is these are all adequately made movies. Like there's no, like you wouldn't say that they're poorly made. It's more the screenplays, and he's not writing this, mm-hmm. but you would not say any of those movies are like stand out in the way they're made. Mm-hmm. They're fine. Uh, it his movies kind of live and die on how well written they are. Mm-hmm. So I think while he's not necessarily bringing a strong stylistic flair to this Kung Fu Panda Four, if the screenplay is good, I don't think he's going to hold it back. Yeah, with I, the same writers, that's uh, promising. What did the previous directors make? That's what I was going to look up to see who. That's a really good question. Who I don't know who actually directed the previous ones. Let's see. The Kung Fu Panda first film from 2008 is directed by Mark Osborne and John Stevenson. Mark Osborne, uh, funny enough, directed the live action sequences of the first SpongeBob movie. Oh. Um, and has oh, he directed the 2015 Little Prince, which I've not seen, but looks really good. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, 
not a ton of directing from this guy. Hmm. Um, the other director on the film, John Stevenson. Um, Is that picture of him, like half his face? It just kind of cut off. That's funny. Um, he has not done much directing either. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, Sherlock so Gnomes. <laughs> I guess we can't judge. Yeah. We just got to see. I think the issue with Kung Fu Panda 4, most likely, as far as the lacking in creative animation, is probably that DreamWorks, the majority of what they make now is actually Netflix original stuff as opposed to theatrically released stuff. Mm-hmm. And Kung Fu Panda itself is a series with a ton of Cartoon Network slash Netflix stuff. Mm-hmm. There's obviously the three movies, but then there's hours and hours and hours of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, this seems to be more in line with that stuff. Yeah. We also, but we also get... A return of a great character from the first movie. Is that what you're going to say? I was going to say Aquafina. <laughs> oh. So you're going in a different direction. Yeah, Aquafina is... So this movie is very Cars 3, um, main character kind of training a replacement, it would seem. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Because at the they kind of drop it for the rest of the trailer, but the beginning of the trailer has Poe talking to... Shifu. Shifu about training a new dragon warrior. Um, so presumably Aquafina's wolf character is that what she is fox fox character is going to be that character though would they just retitle the movie because it wouldn't be kung fu panda anymore kung fu fox. it sounds like it's probably not going to have future inspirations. Yeah. but and so here's the thing i i say this is a lot of caveat to it i don't hate aquafina's voice performances when she is playing a character and not herself. Hmm. Good point. I didn't really hate her in the trailer. I thought, I was like, all right. Now, I will say, I thought it was interesting. We didn't get a single scene of any of the Furious Five. Yes. But they are listed in the cast. Yeah, I found that strange. Um, I think it's going to come down to almost all the Furious Five are famous actors. And they don't want to pay them. <laughs> is what I would guess. Maybe. But I am very intrigued, though. For the villain's voice actor, the chameleon is voiced by Viola Davis. Who's and, a very good actress. And if if there is one thing that, well, I mean, I think the first three are great. If there is one thing that Kung Fu Panda franchise is great at is having sick villains. I, I agree. You've got... They've got some sick performances. The best one being the first one, Tai Long, played by... I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh ian mcshane i think is his yes, name yes ian mcshane so good and then you've got one of the best actors ever gary oldman uh as the peacock villain shin, uh, shin in the second one I and like then the villains. and then you've got one of our favorite boys uh and now i'm gonna totally blink on his name uh j jonah jameson yep. himself uh <laughs> gosh dang it what is his name i just made a joke i was he's in law and order svu jk Plays, simmons yeah you just got J.K. Simmons. <laughs> J.K. Simmons, someone else to get un-J.K. Simmons. Uh, and what is his character's name in the third one? Tai Long. No, J.K. Simmons. It's oh, not... um, Kai. My bad. Yeah. The so, bull guy. Yes. All, all. He's a water buffalo. Water buffalo. Yeah. So oh. all three villains from the three originals are played by phenomenal actors, giving great performances. Because just because someone's a really good live action perf- actor never means that they're a good voice performer. But yeah, all three villains are a lot of fun. So yeah, Viola Davis, 
um, probably the most interesting thing to me about this movie is the villain is a chameleon who can absorb someone's like energy or chi, chi or powers or whatever and then look like them. Um, so she releases Tai Lung from the spirit world and then takes his form. Yeah, I'm intrigued about that because Kung Fu Panda 3 had Kai come from the spirit world collecting chi. of the great so i'm curious to see if how they will differentiate that yeah that's a good point um but it's cool to have tai lung back because his whenever the chameleon woman turns into him has his voice um i think that's a it's an interesting concept i think that that alone has me interested in the movie girl um any other thoughts from either of you on this i'm excited for it I do hope it's good. I look forward to watching it. Great. Um, okay. Now, what we actually should be talking about tonight. <laughs> uh, one of the best movies in the we've world. seen in a while, bar none. Uh, like, not, I'm not saying it's better than everything we've seen, but like, I would, like, it's definitely one of the best movies of the year, but one of the For best sure. movies of the decade, uh, like the last 10 years. Um, the Boy and the Heron. Is the, it better than Barbie? Yes. I like Barbie a lot, <gasps> but this is like a masterful film. Uh, Boy and the Heron, latest film from famed Japanese animator Hayao Miyazaki, the man who has retired multiple times and made (laughs) many, many final films. Um, And this is another in that long line of final films. Um, He's like Kurt Russell's character in Monarch. He just... (laughs) Yes, exactly. You're like 90, bro. What are you doing? He's not 90. Uh, um, The movie that has been in production since 2016... Um, they've been it's all hand hand animated, um, and just painstakingly, gorgeous. gorgeously animated. Um, it is a a what is a current trend from a lot of directors um, making semi autobiographical films about their childhood. Um, this is somewhat about his upbringing in Japan, and we can talk about those uh, parallels once we finished uh, actually going through the plot. Uh, we have our main character, Ma- Maito. Maito. Um, is... Maito as or I can't, I can't do I can't do um, the Heron no, voice. I can't, I can't uh, do uh, Robert Pattinson. He <laughs> is living in Japan in a very similar year to our previous movie, Godzilla minus one, uh, during the war, and his mother dies in a fire, and he rushes to the fire in a gorgeously animated sequence. Uh, yes, I wanted to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Just gonna so... turn Rachel's mic down. <laughs> so. This, this, like, watching this, like, from the get-go, it becomes, you know, it's a very typical Studio Ghibli film from the get-go. And there's a fire at the hospital where his mom is. Um, his father tells him to stay in, and Mahito um, runs through the crowd. And it becomes impressionistic animation. Yes, That is I not agree. something we have seen in Studio Ghibli. Okay. We, we, we have not seen something that impressionistic before. And if I'm wrong call me out but this is brand new because that is not Hayao Miyazaki's style mm. that well, is actually Shinya or Hira's impressionistic style brand who, new he's the key animator for that okay is that has, is this name a, like someone who has like made other movies or is he like just a lead, a lead animator he's one of the key animators on this film but that is his like distinct style but like okay so like distinct style from like what other works like what other movies he like worked that, on that, the impressionistic is his distinct style 
But like, so is he an, an artist, him? or has he put that animation in other movies? Like, where, where, what? When you say his distinct style, I'm curious. Like, Let's, has he animated other movies in that style? Don't look him up. See what we find. He has not done a lot um, when it comes to movies, but like, he's done enough art to establish a style. Yes, that is his style. That's his style as an artist. Well, I was, that's what I'm saying. Like, is he when it's his his style? That is that is his style as an animator or as like a painter? Like I'm I'm just curious if there's any other examples of his work. I, I don't know. Okay. Like that's his that's his style. Okay. It's like a signature. Yes, that's like mm-hmm. his key style that he works in. So, anyways, all that to say, that's something that we have seen that's totally new in a in a Ghibli film. That's exciting. That rushed, like almost. We would probably describe it like, what was that? Uh, I don't remember the artist. Not Monet. Hmm. Um, Van Gogh? Yes, like that Van Gogh movie that came almost, out a couple mm, years ago. Yeah. It was almost like a similar situation. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but so that was just wow mm-hmm. from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting to see something like that in a Studio Ghibli film because everything is so clean mm-hmm. with the hand-drawn animation. Um, and I think it does a really good job of setting the tone, both setting the tone for the movie, but also telling you what this movie is going to be like. Um, and we'll, we'll, we can talk about this more later, but as I was seeing the conversation for this movie online, I got really frustrated with people trying to take the movie way too literally. And this scene is immediately telling you that this movie is going to be soft. Mm-hmm. Not everything's going to make sense. It's very much from the child uh, mm-hmm. perspective of a child going through a traumatic event. Yeah. And that is that scene puts you in the character's perspective which is what the rest of the movie we're with him the whole movie we're seeing it from his perspective and you don't have to take everything so literally so i think it's it just like wows you with the animation but also mm-hmm. thematically and textually it, it tells you what the movie's going to be like and i think from an artistic standpoint it just really showcases probably how it is to run through a smoke-filled alley through mm. a thronging crowd sure to a hospital absolutely flames. absolutely just wow I could feel his desperation, and I, I could feel the heat and the energy the of the moment. Claustrophobia. Yeah, and with the way he was running toward the fire, it seemed like he was totally willing to sacrifice his life. So then, after that scene, I was gonna say, um, Shinya Orhiro has worked on Akira. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. He's worked on quite a okay, bit. Okay, yeah. He's like 30 years of animation, but that mm-hmm. that's his style. Yeah, like so I, I don't know his name. So when I hear that name, the name doesn't mean much to me. But if you say Akira, that explains to me how you have a different kind of anime coming in, um, which is not necessarily super characteristic of Hayao Miyazaki. From what I understand, mm-hmm. he has a very particular image. But, and, I, but I think it's very interesting because from... Like you said, from the get-go, this isn't going to be a typical, a typically grounded mm-hmm. Studio Ghibli film. Especially for that style to take such precedence in the beginning. is It is almost kind of like a, oh, yeah, this might be Miyazaki's last film. He's stepping out of uh, his boundaries. And what was the name of that animator that you said? Uh, Shinya Ohira. Okay, I was just curious. I wanted to look him up on IMDb. Um, would, would you say that... When you say grounded for Studio Ghibli films, you mean just animation-wise? Because yes, they're all very consistent in their style. I see. Whether they are whimsical or realistic, there is a consistent style and design and flow for things. And this is totally different. 
Yeah. Okay. Because when I when I hear grounded, I think like realistic, which is not what these movies are at all. So that I I see what you're saying now, though. Um, did you was there anything else you guys want to say about that opening scene? I think if we spend this much time on every scene, no, I <laughs> yes, no, good. I just that but opening we could scene. Spend this much time we, on everything. I think because it's so good, and each section is amazing and unique and beautiful, mm-hmm. and it makes me want to not move on when there's so much more you could say. I I totally agree. I I was gonna say something similar to that. The opening scene is particularly important. Um, but then we can we can go through the plot summary here real real quick. Uh. You got a little sense of his personality, too, with him disobeying yeah. his father. You know, that's a good observation because I think as opposed to other Studio Ghibli leads, Maito is a lot more reserved. Mm-hmm. And you really have to work to figure out his character. You could interpret him as a not-so-strong character. I think because this movie's a little more serious... There's definitely humor in it and definitely a lot of whimsy and fantasy in it, but it is trying to tackle some more serious subjects. And it is a somewhat autobiographical film. So it's a care. It's the actor, the, sorry, the writer director putting himself in this role. He's a bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. So he, you could interpret him as kind of blank or boring, but I, I found him a lot more just a kid trying to figure out who he is, yeah. which I think is a great character, a great uh, entry point for the audience into this, this crazy world that we'll get into mm-hmm. later. Uh, but so after his mother dies, he moves out with his dad and his aunt, who is <laughs> now going to be his new mother, um, and is uh, uh, pregnant with uh, his his now half brother, cousin, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 full cousin, half brother. Um, we never fully get whether his his dad married. Um, she has the aunt. a wedding ring on. Okay, she did. Okay. Um, but it was confusing because it was almost like he hadn't seen her. Like she, he He's introduced to her. He hadn't seen her in a very, very long time. Yeah. So did they not have a wedding? Probably not. Yeah. I know. It, the movie is very Civil intentionally ceremony. withholding of a lot of information, which makes it fun. Some people hate that. Mm-hmm. I guess it's something we should say if we're <laughs> recommending this movie if you want everything spelled out for you, if you like movies that make things very clear, this is not one of those movies. This movie is going to make you work. It's really... In- if, it, if, if Impressionistic was a film. Yeah. <laughs> I think by the end, you have pretty much all the information you need. It, it ends up giving you... like If you just watch the movie, you will figure out what's going on. You, these are the things that are important. You have to use your brain, though. You have to pay attention, which I love. If you check out, you're going to be so confused. But it's much more... Like real life. Like it doesn't have the exposition normal movies have. It doesn't have a character like, hey, I'm your aunt. And we, so and nice. it is like he doesn't, the characters don't just straight up explain to each other what's going Hayao on. Miyazaki making sure the media literate are going to understand this. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So they move out to the country, um, but it's mostly just uh, his aunt, whose name is Natsuko. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're living at this this country home. And, Very nice home. Mm hmm. Um, and Maito is demonized by a heron. <laughs> uh, the titular heron uh and we have some adventures at the house uh maito uh, hits himself in the head with well, a uh, rock uh, there's this so he was bullied at school yes. yes he went to school and he was bullied because mm-hmm. he's kind of like a rich kid coming in mm-hmm. um into a rural community and they sure kind of tussle him up and on the way and it wasn't really that bad but on the way home he grabs a rock and bashes it into his temple it shocked me 
Was, it's very bloody. Yeah. You know, this is a good example of what I was talking about a moment ago with this movie's a little more serious than other anime. Watching this movie. The theater went, oh. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's quite shocking. Um, and I think it's open for interpretations to exactly why he does this. Convenience. <laughs> I, do, why would you say he hit himself in the head with a rock exactly? I would think, my interpretation was he doesn't want to go back to school, so he's trying to be kept home from school. I had some other ideas about it. I thought that since he got into a fight, to me, I couldn't tell. It seemed like maybe he started the fight at school, mm -hmm. and I thought that maybe he thought if he came home with a wound, it would make it seem less like he was the aggressor and mm -hmm. more like he was the victim. Yeah, and well, and well, the thing is, is that he even tells his dad, mm -hmm. I fell. Yeah, uh -huh. he lies and about it. And you know it. what? He could have gotten away with it if he hadn't bashed his head open with a rock. Yeah. yeah. If he had just come home dirty, like he had been seen and been like, oh, I fell. And like, well, maybe don't fall next time. And the implication here is it takes a lot of mental stress for a person to intentionally inflict that much pain on it themselves. It was a yeah. bad injury. That tells you, again, talking about is this character good or a good character or not? I mean, that the, tells you a ton about that character. The way it knocked him out definitely seemed like it was in concussion realm. Oh, I, absolutely. I interpreted it that he was experiencing depression mm -hmm. with losing his mom, Survivor's guilt. moving to a different city, trying to figure out life, not really seeming to have friends and not really having a close relationship with his father and and then trying to go to this new school and it's just like all coming down on him and he just, he I think he did it for multiple reasons, but I, I felt, I felt something of what it seemed he was feeling i think this scene's also really important because like i said previously this movie is from his perspective we are we are viewing the movie through his lens the rest of the movie is at this point on the movie starts to make less and less sense it gets really fanciful that's because our main character has a head wound <laughs> and the movie is trying to tell you this is not about literal things happen this is about a, a child perspective and so it's kind of creating a reason for why things start to get kind of crazy. And I think that's great. I think it's also something that talked about a lot of movies, very dreamlike. The rest of the movie is very dreamlike. I love that a movie gives itself an excuse to not make sense. Uh, literally. I think the movie makes incredible emotional sense. Yes. But literal sense is not. And it does some good job of like making things follow a certain a set amount of rules. But um, anyways... After this scene, uh, we get some time at the house. Um, there's a tower on the uh, on the uh, property that the heron keeps flying to. We meet the grandmas. Oh, yes. Yeah, so there's like seven older women. That look not like regular people. Yeah, so you pretty much have two broad categories of humans it's very in... surprising when they show up because <laughs> everything seems kind of normal until then or at least people look normal and then yeah. these are they have very big noses very big eyes they're very short but they have big heads we were speculating they might supposed to be somewhat like the seven dwarves because there's seven of them they all have very distinct personalities and they're very cartoony this this in, it introduces the movie the set the two basic categories of humans in Hayao Miyazaki films realistic and it, it, you guys have two different sliders of realism. A one on the realism or a ten on the realism, really. Um, so what ends up happening is Natsuko starts to get sick and is bedridden in her pregnancy. And she ends up wandering into the woods and disappears. There is... Uh, this is introduced, I think, on his first day out. There's a tower 
Yeah. In mm-hmm. the woods that he's told to stay away from. And that's where you see the But heron the heron tries to lead him to it. That's where, yes, the heron tries oh. to lead him to and it. And the grandmas pull him out. Yes. And I forgot to say that uh, the heron is talking uh-huh. to uh, to Mahito. In a very, very creepy and way. And tells him that his mother it's is so calling creepy. him. He's it's... been called to bring him Your to his mother. presence is requested. To do his act to his biological mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so once, uh, Natsuko, his, his stepmother's aunt goes out in the woods, Mito follows after him, goes into, uh, the tower, the tower now opens up and he goes in and with one of the grandmas who's just trying oh, to get a cigarette. Yes. <laughs> and, and so for, for context of the tower, um, it's an old decrepit tower that was built by his great uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, so who his, apparently read too many books and lost his mind, according yes, to their family. His great great uncle, I think, actually, or something like that. It was his mom and aunt's grandpa's brother, I believe. Mm. Um, and so yeah, that's through this that um, this tower. He built this tower full of books, and he disappeared. And a, a scene I skipped over, but I think is a good scene. It doesn't like really add anything to the plot, but it does start to lay the groundwork for things, how things are going to go. He has this dream where he goes, not a dream. There's a sequence where he goes out and he meets the heron. And then all these frogs, just waves and waves of frogs envelop Maito. Then his aunt mother comes out and shoots a bow that lands next to him and like scare, does, like scare away all the frogs. And then Maito collapses and then wakes up back in his bed and it seems as though the whole thing never happened but i think it did but um the start of the the quote-unquote dream he grabbed uh, like a uh, bat or something from the closet and when he goes back to the closet at, when he wakes up and he whams the heron with that bat <laughs> well the heron catches it oh and breaks it, and breaks yeah. it in half yeah it's... oh and that's one of my favorite moments in the, i'm sorry real fast one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the movie is maito runs out there and is standing and he looks up at the sun and in a move that pilots actually did back in the day where they would fly at their enemies from the sun, the heron just comes flying at Maito from the sun. It is, I don't know why I found it so funny, but this, this, he just starts off as a little speck in the sun and just comes flying in. I sit out in the, out loud in the theater, oh Lord, he coming. <laughs> um, so when, when Maito <laughs> wakes up, he goes back to the closet and finds the bat, but he picks it up and it shatters. So we, we have, what is introduced here is this idea, one, Waves and waves of animals, which keeps reoccurring the rest of the movie, which is... The waves of frogs. There which is so a, a great animation choice. Just tons of animals. I love it. Um, but also the blurring of reality. Maito not knowing what's going on. Um, but also... And the grandmas all say, there's just something weird about mm-hmm. this place. Things just happen. And also the introduction of the possibility that his aunt mother, Natsuko having a little more knowledge about this fantasy thing that's going on. So he I just up... realized something about the arrow that she shoots. Could it possibly have had one of the heron's feathers on it? And that's why they all ran? Uh, possibly. I'd have to watch it again. It's, it wasn't like a normal arrow. It had like a tuning fork or something yeah, on the end. Yeah, it was pretty sharp. I'd probably run too. Crazy. I don't... I don't... You know, the thing that we just lack is cultural context for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's just, you know, anything that would be in an American film that we would just immediately understand. Yeah. Um, in a Japanese film, there's just like cultural references. Mm-hmm. Like later, there's some paper dragons. And I read there's just some, it's just a reference to a, a classic Japanese folktale. We just don't have context. There are some things that might be very immediately visually obvious to Japanese audiences. 
Uh, Rachel is currently petting mm. Athena from across the room with a uh, cardboard tube. And she's so cute. <laughs> um, you're not supposed to be sleeping. You're supposed to be listening to us because you're our editor. Not very good at her job. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Maido ends up in the tower. Um, and it, it's the it's the heron who has the, his quote unquote mother there, right? Well, and and so yes, after he wakes up, um, Natsuko want, is wandering into the woods. Yes, but because he realizes that um, the bow and arrow scared Natsuko or scared the heron away, he makes his own. Okay, we're not quite. I just, the, we're yes, not we quite there yet. What? There's... Hey, we were there because he brought it into the tower. Oh, does he really? Yeah, remember yeah, the arrow okay. follows the heron in the tower. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, sorry. I totally forgot that happened. I thought that happened in the tower as a result of him deciding to challenge no, so the heron. He, so he has That's a, right. He I has forgot. a heron feather, and so it's got some magical properties because it moves. But he he fashions a bow and arrow out of kind of really whatever he's mm-hmm, that's uh, right. finds lying around. And he's, ready, he's ready to kill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, he's he has it out for this heron. He tries to find the heron again with no luck. And so, but then the next, um, then uh, Natsuko goes missing. They're trying to find that's the lady right. of the house. Yeah. Um, and so he and one of the grannies, um, he's like, I saw her go into the woods. Um, let's go find her. And that's where they get to the tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there the the heron has a a womanly figure on a couch. Um, they're also tra- so they are trapped in the tower. Yes, the tower that did not have a yeah, door. Yeah, the door closed behind the them. The door yeah. closes. And Maito touches this woman that looks like his mother, but then it melts. And is it's also kind of creepy the way it, that happened. Very eerie. Yeah. Um, I don't remember why. Um, Maito and the and the heron end up fighting exactly. Well, so I don't remember why exactly, but I think now that they're trapped, um, the heron's like, "Haha, you're trapped. Mm-hmm. Sucks to be you." But then, um, he uh, I don't know. They're beefing. They've been beefing mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. movie. Sure. Um, and Mahito raises the bow and arrow, and the uh heron makes fun of him and he fires and he misses mm-hmm. and the heron gets ready to i'm guessing kill him yep until yeah. he realizes that the arrow has one of his feathers on it mm-hmm. why and was he gonna kill him he's so very creepy. aggressive <laughs> so creepy and he realizes it's one of his feathers and the arrow chases him mm-hmm. and very nearly gets him um only to go through the top part of his beak and throughout the film so far, we have seen that it's Ugh. not a normal heron. Ugh. It definitely is like mm. a costume, a mm. shapeshifter of some form. I couldn't tell that it was a costume. Well, to me, I thought it was like a demon stuffed inside a bird. But, well, yes, like something inside of yeah. him that is not bird coming innards. out. And Ugh. so, because he has the hole in the beak, full teeth. Yes, his true form is revealed. And flesh. Ugh. So what they're referring to is the fact that as the heron keeps talking, he slowly transforms the longer he talks. Something's coming out of his mouth. He starts to have Uh human teeth. Yeah. And then you start to see like eyes in his mouth and Uh then like a nose. And eventually in the movie, I don't remember when, it just, a whole human head pops out and like the heron's head disappears. And he has like the heron's body, 
but with like more like I it's think a, it's when he gets hit in the beak. That's very possible. And yes, he can't so, keep it on anymore, so, so his mm. head is stuck out. Yes, so once the arrow pierces the top part of his beak, it's like something the spell or whatever Some he is magic his magic is broken. Away, yeah. And so and so he can no longer keep his hair in disguise, so mm-hmm. he's a pudgy little man. Yeah, yeah. He, he transforms the uh the major transformation other than the head, obviously. Mm-hmm. Herons are very sleek, long characters. We actually saw a lot of them where we visited this last weekend, funny enough. Um his his body transforms into a pudgy man. He still has the heron's legs. Yeah, but they're not slender. So yeah. they're the color and the general shape of heron mm-hmm. legs, but they're kind of like Chunky. thick and knobbly. And then does he have human hands at that point? Like the wings are kind of gone. Has fingers yeah, and he's wings got kinda, finger yeah. <laughs> fingerlings. Um <laughs> very uncomfortable thing to look at. It's less creepy than when the teeth and flesh start popping yeah. out of the heron's mouth, but it's still visceral. Bleh. So, but, but he but he outright says, "I can't have my disguise anymore." Yeah, mm, yeah, interesting character, and it's never really explained. I think that's great. This is a bizarre character. This is the kind of thing you would dream. Like what we're saying <laughs> is the kind of thing you try to explain to your friends. Like he was a bird, but he was a man, but he had a bird's body, but he had a man's body. Very bad drug trip. <laughs> yeah, really. And like when he talked, the face came out of the pet. He said to be there. What was in that brownie man? <laughs> <laughs> so Mito uh defeats the heron in this fight, and um the the, the heron sends him to the underground. Well, what we learn the later is the tower master slash the, the uncle, the great yes. uncle, is at the top of the tower and tells the heron to take to Maito to the... Is there ever a reference to what the name of this other world? Like the ocean world or the dream world uh, or the spirit remember. world? All these things would accurately describe this other world that he goes to. It's like the tower world yeah something like that the spirit world it seems like one of the spirit worlds one of the doors right Mm -hmm. but this is like kind of the in-between space almost this is my um uh dr strange multiverse of madness but i enjoyed it (laughs) wasn't this world kind of created by the Tower great, master. Great that, uncle? See, this is the stuff that's kind of unclear. So which it is makes great. it seem like maybe this is we just don't one exactly, of the spirit worlds. We don't exactly know the source or the magical properties of the tower, which mm-hmm. they kind of yeah. they like kind of talk about a little bit later. But yeah. it's still like, wow, that answered nothing. Yeah, seriously. So regardless, uh, Maito is sucked into the ground with the pe- with the pelican and the older woman. And but the great the, melting. But she's just gone. Yeah, uh, we she's figure like, out Not later. Me, I don't want to go. <laughs> later, and then you don't see her. <laughs> she's very funny. She's she's transformed into a little like totem thing, and uh, our main hero is immediately assaulted by a wave of pelicans, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, who like crash him, and they're all saying something. Let's eat. Let's eat something like yeah. that. Yeah, you're hearing like whispers eat, almost. Eat, eat. Yeah, he's and, at like a set of pearly gates mm-hmm. on a uh-huh. hillside with a very ominous rock. He's then saved. He's saved by a woman named Kiriko, who we later learn is a younger version of the old woman. And the only reason the pelicans didn't eat him was because he had the heron's feather on his arrow that he was still holding. Otherwise, he would have just been gobbled up. Uh, Allison, I think you you really perked up when this woman showed up. How would you describe her? Beautiful, (laughs) powerful, masculine, (laughs) feminine hot 
And I thought at first for sure she was his mom. I just really expected him to meet his mom in this world. And she has a little fire wand that she used to scare Mm -hmm. off the pelicans. And I thought for sure it was her because I thought it would make so much sense for his mom to have fire powers in this spirit world because of the way she died in a fire. And when she died, originally we saw like... Well, I think in one of the flashbacks he had, we saw one her spirit basically mm-hmm. engulfed in flames coming up from the fire of the hospital. Doesn't she say, come find me? Something, I think, yeah. And so when I saw this woman with this little fire wand, I was like, that's his mom, that's his mom. And she didn't seem to recognize him, but I figured, well, maybe they don't recognize each other because things work differently in this world and maybe they don't have the same memories that they do. Um but then my whole idea of his mom having firepowers in this world really does come into play, just not with this character. Yeah, you preemptively predicted a fairly obvious twist just with the wrong character. Yeah. But a very fun character, nonetheless. Um, kind of the the overall, uh, the first cool. guide for Maito. She's very cool. Uh, they get on the boat together and they catch a big fish. Big fish. And we see as all big these, as their boat. There's all these other boats on the horizon. And I feel like... They're um, very spectral fishermen. Mm. Mm-hmm. She said none of them are real, I think. Yeah. I, and that they I thought can't, they were all dead. So, yeah, maybe she said something like that. Yeah. But they can't actually catch fish. Mm-hmm. And so they go to where... Okay, so sorry. What is this woman's name again? Kiriko. Uh, Kiriko. Yeah, they go to where she lives, which is like this big boat that's also kind of an island. And there's spirits in there that they're going to sell the fish to. And there's also the st- steals the scene of whatever they're in, the, the Warara, which are Nothing a little, little marshmallow people. Yeah, very similar to the soot gremlins <laughs> from uh, Totoro and Spirited Away. And I'm sure other, uh, you look confused. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and also then, um, I'm sure you have other... Allison is gesturing to the audio recording. What do you... I think yours is a little bit loud. A little bit loud. Oh, okay, sure. I'll turn my... I'll bring it down a bit. Mm-hmm. How's that? Is that better? Is that better yes. right there? You're very enthusiastic. When you get enthusiastic, um, it's very loud. Just cute little creatures. Um, they're they're bound... They, 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 they are lighter. They <laughs> yeah. bounce around. They're like little balloons mm-hmm. a little bit. They're, they're just some much-needed bit of joy in this this film they, they bring some some comic relief and they're just a ton of fun to look at there's a bunch of them and they're all doing something slightly different some of them are falling mm-hmm. over some of them are climbing yeah. other ones some of them are napping they're just precious and um, kiriko says they eat the fish guts so they can fly and I yes. that was really funny um so yeah so maito uh is tasked with cutting um the fish open and this is a disgusting sequence and i love it again like, I think it's really, really easy, if you've never done animation yourself or studied it, to take animation for granted. Because, like, a t- films are great. I love live-action films. But you can, like, show up to a real place and just film it, and it's just happening. People just happen. Things, you the wind, a real clothes move. in a film. You yeah, and it just happens. create the intestines but it's the opposite with animation Mm -hmm. you have to create everything that's happening on screen everything from scratch every single frame of motion is created and intentionally manipulated it's insane to me that this exists nothing is happening possible nothing on frame can possibly happen on accident so when this man cuts open this fish and its guts explode it's a beautiful work of animation because you believe it because the other thing is, yes, someone could intentionally animate, but they do a bad job. 
Like, what's happening through this whole thing is every time someone interacts with something, or they move, or their clothes move, or they talk, it feels real. There's never a moment where I at all felt like, oh, that person doesn't, they're moving too fast, or they're moving too slow, or like, every time someone moves, it feels like that person is just You can feel moving. the wind and the fire yeah. and the weight of the fish. There's just life. It's full of mm-hmm. life. Which is what makes this this dream world. That's why the fact that it literally doesn't make sense is not important. It feels like it exists. That's all that matters. Um, like a dream. Um, so they, they gut the fish. And then we get to see... So we learn that the Warara are um, unborn souls. Mm-hmm. And we see them ascending to the real world in yeah. big spirals. And it's a cute, uh-huh. adorable moment. Until the pelicans come back uh, and start gulping up the water. Just scooping them up in a line. It's horrifying. Mouth wide open, flying through uh-huh. the wada wada that are spiraling to live their life in the next world. And so um, there's a lot of World War II underlying themes to this because the, the setting of the actual world. Something we, we glanced over earlier that I forgot to mention is that Mito's dad, he manufactures parts for airplanes uh, for the war. Fighter pilots. Um, so his mm-hmm. father is profiting off the war. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. I think there's that. Well, there's not. The war is not necessarily directly referenced a lot. I feel like it's an underlying theme that helps you understand what's going on. We later discussed if there's a possible symbolic nature to the fact that you have these unborn mm-hmm. souls being killed and i speculated it might be meant to represent all the pe- all the japanese people at the bare minimum from world war ii who would never be born because their parents died lost generations yeah mm-hmm. uh, just yeah all the people who would have lived that never got a chance to be born as a result of the war is what i took away from that scene um but then we have a beautiful scene uh, that's very haunting but i think emotionally beautiful is we get to meet one of the pelicans. Uh, oh, you missed a part. Okay. Oh, yes, I did. Very important part. Yes. Um, Mahito is like screaming at the pelicans to stop. And I think yeah. Kariko was kind of like, mm, yeah. part of life. Can't yeah. really do anything. And then. A but she sp- said they haven't flown in so long. So you feel like some of them need to make it. Yes. Because they, they only do this every like mm-hmm. very seldom. So Mahito's like screaming at the pelicans to stop. Mm-hmm. Um. And then a burst of flame comes up from the ocean, yeah. and we see, mm-hmm. um, they, I think they call her the fire spirit. I don't know if they give her, like, a name. I think they called her Himi. Himi well, yeah, okay, so that, that they call her name from a start. But so she releases these bouts of fire into the mm-hmm. air to distract the, um, to disperse the pelicans. It's unfortunately also taking out yeah. some of the war, war. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, kind of indiscriminate. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so Mahito starts screaming more. Uh-huh. Like telling her to stop. <laughs> but Kiriko is like, this has to happen. Yeah, Otherwise like none of them will make it. And so very interesting. Like, and if very... Himi hadn't shown up, the pelicans probably would have eaten all of the water, yeah. water before any of them made it. So the pelicans disperse. Um, Oh, and Himmy. thinking about the Wada Wada, the little ones cheer the big ones on. Like, when oh, the big yeah. ones are yeah. flying, the little ones cheer for them. It's so cute. So good. Anyways. No, you're good. Um, and so then uh, they disperse. Uh, and that scene you were going to talk about, Mahito mm-hmm. comes out later. Also a warning if you have trouble with blood or gore or injuries. Just for this film in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Be warned. Mahito comes out to use the outhouse that exists on it. And there's a really rough-looking pelican. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heavily Burnt, injured. Singed, very bloody. Injured. And he's like, 
kill me. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so we, we see a little bit of insight um, because he talks to Mojito. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn that this, this land is not the Pelican's original home. Mm-hmm. They left because they had no food and the, at their original home. And the only food they've been able to find here is the Waro Waro. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this aspect of where you're immediately like, oh, the pelicans are bad, mm-hmm. but that added depth of there is nothing for them and they they have no choice. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, still, he's like, kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mahito puts him out of his misery. Does he? I thought he talked to him and he was about to say something important and then he just died. He just the, Oh, he did he die? Just, he just okay. fell over dead. I think he was oh, about yeah. to say something yes. important. Though. But he buries him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the wooden boat. Yeah. There was, it hole. looked like there was soil. There was a yeah. bunch of soil for some reason. <laughs> um, but like the very next scene they show like through the slats of the boat there's just it goes down to the water. So I don't know how there was just a big bunch of soil. Over. <laughs> but so he's he finishes burying him. And guess who shows up? The the heron. The heron. It's actually interesting. It's almost like the heron was almost a little moved mm-hmm. by mm. his respect his for this creature that was quote bad. Birdie brethren. He treated him with dignity. Um, yeah, but it, it's almost interesting because it's like it's almost like the heron is in a I don't say in debt. To Mahito, but mm. almost like until he gets back to normal, he's kind of stuck with him. Yeah, yeah, and he was commanded by that guy in the tower mm. to be Mahito's guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like he doesn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we get, well, it's a small scene, but I think a very, again, you know, levity scenes of, of, of humor in this in this movie that's very heavy. Uh, Mahito has to create, make a little uh, plug for the uh, the heron's bill and he makes it puts it in and the pelican's like ha screw you sucker and then it doesn't work he has uh-huh. to go back uh, good so mo- cute good montage of him telling him like, smooth that part down yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's very funny so then uh, at what point do they meet up with with Himi? is it shortly after this when he's about to get eaten by the parakeets and she shows up to save him oh right okay so Maito and the pelican, <laughs> uh, sorry, and the heron then go in search There's of... too many him. birds in this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, they go in search of Maito's mother, mm-hmm. um, original mother. And they have to pass through a certain place where there's supposed to be some wise person, but when they show up, there's just a guard tower. Really buff parakeets. With two really fat, super buff... <laughs> and they first initially, like, peek up yeah. over the corner, and they still stick their head out, and they're like person-sized parakeets. And then the heron's like, oh, I guess this place must have been taken over by them, but we have to pass through here Uh if we're going to get to them. Get to her. The parakeets are so good. (laughs) They're so goofy looking. They've got big round eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're hilarious. The heron distracts the parakeets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they get Um, very fun flying chase sequence. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mahito goes into the house where there are more parakeets. Uh-huh. Like a million more. And so he's, and he's like, um, hey, I need to find my mother. And they're like, ah, your mother? She's right over here. <laughs> and he's walking through the rows of parakeets and they're all holding various kitchenware. Forks, knives, dinner plates. Uh-huh. Plates. And so they bring him over to a table and they're like, here she is. And he's really, he's like, mm, I don't, uh, don't know. And so they get ready to 
eat him. I think they're saying like eat, eat, eat. And yeah. I think yeah. somehow And she she appear and Himmy appears out of the fire. Yeah. Through the ta- like pillar fire mm-hmm. and scares them off, burns a couple of them, but she's like, Come with me. And Is she it pulls now them through. We find out that they didn't eat his mom because she had child, but they can't eat him because he has no child. Like I think they said it. Like Yeah, something like he's like, like that. What did you eat my mom or something? And they were like, No, she has child. You don't have child. You're eatable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Initially, I thought the pair. So the parakeets are holding plates. I thought they had hats. And I thought they were about to put <laughs> no. on a dance number, <laughs> which is so far from completely the different. Yeah. yeah, but Himmy, she like erupts kind of from the table that they mm-hmm. were about to cut him up on, yeah. and blasts fire onto the parakeets and yeah, saves him. And then we get a, a chase scene, and Himi shows this hallway of doors that all lead to different worlds. One door leads back to, uh, sorry, I'm his so, world. Yeah, his world. Uh, Maito's world. And they open, but you have to if you can open the door and close it, you have to retain. You have to mm-hmm. keep holding on to. Otherwise, the, you can't get back. Yeah, which is another just very Kurosawa. Sorry, this is not Kurosawa. This is uh, uh, Hayao Miyazaki. A Miyazaki touch. Of just rules, like these fun little rules of like holding on, well, focusing. It, it's very similar to the you have to hold your breath to cross the bridge in Spirited mm-hmm. Warrior. Uh, or, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where she had to um, uh, hold her breath and she couldn't look back, I mm-hmm. believe, oh, yeah. as well, after when mm-hmm. she left. It's been a while since I've seen Spirited Away. But so yeah. the parakeets are chasing them and. Like, the guards start to notice that they're in this hallway they shouldn't be in because they're, like, they have to travel through this to get to his aunt, which mm-hmm. is who he's actually looking for. Sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't, I misspoke earlier. He was looking for his aunt. Aunt mom. He kept calling her by yeah. name. And um, so they weren't planning to go through this door, but because the parakeets found out that they were there, they, mm-hmm. like, went in it but held on to, to the door. Mm-hmm. And his dad saw them. Yeah, so it leads them his... back to the base of the tower. Mm-hmm. And his dad is looking for them now because mm-hmm. his second wife and son have now gone missing. Mm-hmm. Um, no one knows where they are. They've just, they've disappeared into thin air and he sees them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're kind of stuck between a rock and hard place because they can't let go or they're never mm-hmm. going to get back. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> what they do is Himmy and Mahito open the door and a bunch of parakeets mm-hmm. fly out, but they're transformed into regular sized parakeets. Mm-hmm. And overwhelm his dad mm-hmm. um, and poops all over yes, them yes. <laughs> lots of birds. and so he's distracted and they hop back inside and i mean it's gonna sound like a broken record beautifully animated all the yes. parakeets are different colors and they're going from huge like human-sized parakeets to like slowly transforming into regular parakeets it's not all of a sudden mm-hmm. and they're all flying around and they're pooping on characters and just like again just like this is all someone had to hand draw all of this and mm-hmm. it's and again, it's not, like, it's not like CGI where you could, which is a lot of work to CGI, but you could, the computer can do certain things for you. In-betweens can be done for you. Uh, progression, the way characters move, you create this the animation cycle and then you tell it what to do. This, every single parakeet has to be hand-drawn. It's insane. And so our characters go back into the hallway uh, and make their way to... Um, is this the point where they get to the birthing room? The delivery room, I think, yeah. yeah. And, and they are uh, like in the tower tower they go through the stone mm-hmm. and the stone's mad at them yeah another element that Tries is really not them is not that never accomplishes a plot mechanic but is just visually interesting they walk through these stone tunnels and the stone is like shocking them 
but not it's more like it's much more like static shocks than anything it never it never stops anything. it's reacting to their presence mm-hmm. and not in a good way it seems dangerous it seems like at any moment it could yeah. kill them or kick them out but then it doesn't it just it just like creates an atmosphere that yeah, this, this says, world this, it's not happy that we're here we mm-hmm. shouldn't be here but so uh maito goes in and sees his aunt uh just on a bed uh, surrounded by like there's, like there's like this like uh rotating wheel above her with paper like draped around her and as he tries to talk to her she like shouts for him to leave mm-hmm. uh and i do you think she was trying to protect him or was she in some sort of birthing trance yeah was she like per, like miss aligning like did she was she revealing some maybe true emotions think, about him i don't know because she did say i hate you yeah there there was something going on that didn't seem like she was just trying to protect him it seemed like maybe she was trying to protect him but maybe more so her baby mm-hmm. yeah like she cared more about her baby than him i don't know it's there's it's weird because this family has a very odd connection to this tower mm-hmm. have we learned um at some point through all we've talked about, I think what you're about to say was revealed at some point. Yeah, at some point, And I, it actually might have been right before because we talked about his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, the old ladies reveal to his dad that Mahito's mother, mm-hmm. biological mother, went into the tower, disappeared for a year, yeah. and came back unchanged. Mm-hmm. And yes. they have no, like, no explanation as to why. Um, and, and she looked like a little girl, suspiciously like Himi. When they showed that flashback. Yes. Yeah. Same, the, similar silhouette. No one has said it, but... But it's... We know as the audience, Himi is the younger version yes. of his mother. Also, before they went to the hallway with the doors, Himi gave him bread with delicious jam on it. It was just like and his mom's. it was just like his mom's, mm. yeah. Which so. is the one... Uh, Kuros- uh, not Sorry, not Kurosawa. Uh, Take a Miyazaki. shot every time Cameron says Kurosawa. <laughs> <laughs> Miyazaki films are famous for their food. This is like the one moment in the movie that has just I'm beautiful hungry. food. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so yes. and so they're explaining the origins or the the lore, the <laughs> oral tradition of the tower, and that the tower basically was a meteorite and fell down in a pond nearby, expelled almost all of the water. And it was just, it was very oddly shaped. It was basically like a hollow comet that just kind of happened mm-hmm. to land upright. And so um, the great uncle started building a tower around it. And they talk about how basically it was kind of cursed. So many people died trying to build it. So it was finally built. And so there's this lore that this is a magical, very odd place where the lines of the spiritual world and reality are blurred. And you shouldn't go there. And like you said earlier, it's just kind of a thing where they're like, yeah, it's weird over there. Don't Mm -hmm. go there. So we're seeing this place. So there's this weird connection. Um, And I think, and you mentioned uh, trance. And I feel like trance is what I think is probably what's happening. Mm -hmm. Because she had been ill. Like, we saw that she was ill. Yeah, she wasn't doing well. She wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. But when she walked into the woods and disappeared is very pointed but monotonous in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's like she was being called there. Yeah. And yeah. I have some theories about that that I'll get to at the end. Yeah, I think one other possible interpretation of her reaction that I saw online, um, I think what's beautiful about this movie, like some movies, like, like I think Barbie, for example, 
there's different ways to interpret Barbie, but Barbie's making a very clear statement. Like yeah. characters are explaining what the movie's about, which is which is a lot of fun. I love movies like that. Movies that are a very clear statement. This movie, with the way it deals with imagery and dreamlike mm-hmm. logic and is unclear about things, it's open to interpretation. The movie's inviting you to come away. And I, an interpretation I thought was kind of interesting is that that reaction was actually a projection of Meito's fears. Mm-hmm. That he was afraid that that is how she actually felt. Uh, I think that would be supported by that he has a special connection that we'll talk about to this world. That he would have some influence over this world just by simply being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, But also with the head injury, it's at any given moment, whatever's happening, it's always possible that what's happening is not actually happening is in fact only in mm-hmm. I don't want to get into a reading where everything that's happened is only in his head um but at any given any mm-hmm. thing that he witnesses pure he traumatic be... brain injury shenanigans <laughs> yeah. yeah or so, like when his stepmom said I hate you he might have imagined that or things mm-hmm. things could be his own projections or actually happening but absolutely phenomenal fluid animation on the mm-hmm. paper I agree and so and one last thought on that if it could have happened, if the the room is trying to get rid of him, if the room could have made her say mm-hmm. that. To that, yeah, that is the thing. The that papers he were kind of terrifying because they stuck to him, and when he they pulled them off, it or, yeah. And I kept thinking, like, is it going to tear off all his skin? What's no. going to happen? Ugh. Um. Yeah. So the paper, the paper turns into dragons, and, like tear him out of the room in a very dramatic, again beautifully but darkly animated scene. Um. And she uses, and Himmy uses her firepower to kind of, uh, uh, oh, fight off the dragon, off fire the dragon. dragon. But then, yeah. like the tower, so he's he's out cold, mm-hmm. and then the tower knocks her out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, something puts her out, um, knocks her unconscious, and the parakeets arrive. Does she pray <laughs> yet? She prays to the tower oh, master at some yes, point I think to she save does. him. She's yeah, she's begging for the tower to save him. I think maybe she him. like asks for that, and then she passes out, but he's okay. Like an exchange. There's some weird similarities to Meet the Robinsons in this. Huh. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Oh. Anyways, continuing on for that, um, the parakeets find him, and the parakeet king. So we saw the subbed version. Um, I would have loved to have seen the dub version solely because of the stacked cast they had. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think at some point we're going to watch yeah, that. I and I'd like to. to talk about that once we've actually yes. seen it so we can comment on the performances. Yes. But yeah, the the, the, the American <laughs> English dub is, is crazy. Oh, that's the uh, Allison needs to go to bed break sound. Uh, so sorry, viewers or <laughs> listeners. We have gone over our time. Allison has to work really early tomorrow morning. So we are going to uh, stop this right now. We're going to record next week to finish (laughs) up our discussion and give our our final thoughts on the the boy and the heron and then do memes and do some last... No meme minute. (laughs) We'll get it next week. Should we do one one meme? No. One meme? No. That doesn't count as a meme minute. No. 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 I want to see if there's one meme I think Allison would particularly find funny. Actually, wait. I do have one that Allison would also find funny. (laughs) Okay. This is the Allison's meme minute. Allison's bedtime meme time. Is it the one you made? You can't show the one you made. No. Um, (laughs) uh, You know what? This. uh, Yeah, I got a good one. Okay. Uh, You go with yours, Rachel. 
teacher, what's so funny? Me, nothing. Please continue. My brain, Keanu Reeves. Oh <laughs> so this is not quite a meme. This is just a I tweet love it. I, I love found. It. So you'll definitely know about this. Allison, I'm going to try to jog your memory. Well, here, I'll give you an image here to, to jog your memory. In Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. the sequence mm-hmm. where um, Anakin and Palpatine talk about... Padmatine. Uh, <laughs> they talk about the... Uh, tragedy of the of darth plagueis and they're like in like an opera but it's like a big wall like a big ball of water floating in the air it looks like this here's here's an image it's from episode three and there's like like creatures jumping from water to water there's these multiple floating orbs of water well i found today um an image of what those actually look like they are actually mon calamari which is the this the um avril akbar uh, Admiral Akbar, but um, here is a uh, artist rendition of what a female dancer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so for the, the, the listeners, uh, so Give if you know Admiral moves. Akbar, he's a big fish man. Uh-huh. Um, so this looks a lot like him, yeah. Except for he's got a tight uh, green dress thing Whoa. on and uh, mammalian uh, breasts. <laughs> yeah, isn't under, it supposed under to be a dress. fish? Why would a yes. fish have boobs? <laughs> so this shocked me today, and I felt like you two should also have to see it. Thank, thank you, Cameron. <laughs> so thanks for listening to Meme Minute. Allison, mm-hmm. I wanted to give you a chance that you won't be on next week. Just final summarizing thought on the boy and the heron. Two things. One thing is that I constantly reminded myself the whole time not to ask Cameron what was going on (laughs) because he hadn't seen it yet. And I worked very hard to restrict myself. And luckily, I had another friend with me who also has ADHD, and she was happy to talk about our theories (laughs) as the movie was going. And it was really interesting to hear her input. And we sat in front of the worst person. Oh. Yeah, we can (laughs) talk about that next week. (laughs) Um. Just a summarizing thought on the movie. It was one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. It felt like it was way longer than it was because so much happened and I felt like I was living in this world. I thought it must be like three, three and a half hours and I was so shocked when it wasn't because it felt like time was completely different in that world and there was so much in the movie but it also didn't feel like they were trying to fit too much in there. It just worked and it also meant a lot to me emotionally. I felt like it was one of those movies that touched my soul in the ways that I interpreted it and the kinds of things it inspired me to feel and think. And it was just extremely beautiful and I can't wait to watch it again. It 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 caught my attention and I didn't have to snack or play with a fidget toy or anything because I was just so focused and it needed, like, it counted on a smart viewers so i had to be engaged and thinking and it was very engaging and interesting great well i'm so glad you enjoyed it um i look forward to uh us rachel and myself getting to finish our thoughts we will do that next week uh thank you so much for coming on allison it was lovely to have you here again uh get round of applause for our guest um man i was really looking forward to having you play the meme game but uh, maybe someday uh, you'll one definitely day. be you'll probably do better than caleb who is still oh and two maybe one day i can come on just for that okay great <laughs> just for me minute. Yeah. um you okay can... well uh gonna quickly wrap up here uh as always thank you to caleb jacoby for our outro music and thank you to allison for singing in our intro music uh props to rachel that rachel loves so much <laughs> 
props to Rachel for our artwork and our Twitter account uh, at Rebels Robots Pod. Give us something to read on the pod. Leave a review. Tweet or DM us memes or opinions. If you've seen Boy and the Heron, please let us know what you think about it. We would love to hear your your take on it. Um, if you haven't seen Boy and the Heron and you're some reason watching the end of this, listening to the end of this before the beginning, please stop now and watch it <laughs> before you hear all the spoilers. And uh, yeah, go see it. And also, if you've seen Godzilla minus one, let us know what you think about it. Uh, if you're for some reason watching Monarch, let us know what you think about it. Uh, this is Cameron and Allison and Rachel signing off, saying, in the words of Colonel Shaw, "Let him fight." <laughs> fight. <laughs> <laughs>